Welcome back to episode 15 of The New Normal. We took a week off because, man, the news. It's just been a bunch of back and forth. It really feels like we're in the middle of the street trying not to get hit by a car. In this episode, we discuss the WHO going back and forth on the COVID asymptomatic spread. We talk about Texas and their COVID numbers rising. And of course, the looting, the rioting, and defunding the police on this episode of The New Normal. Enjoy. We are supported by Mammoth Fuel. Mammoth Fuel Bars were created with people like you in mind using only natural ingredients and zero artificial junk. We took no shortcuts in developing this highly functional and portable fuel bar. What are the benefits, you may ask? Portable on-the-go fuel, post-workout recovery, boost cognitive function, aids in weight loss, anti-inflammatory, and low sugar. With 13 grams of protein and only 4 net carbs, Mammoth Fuel is the perfect meal, snack, and energy bar where you'd like to go. Try Mammoth Fuel at mammothfuel.com. Welcome to the new normal, where we're talking current events, finances, philosophy, preparedness, and more. My name is Sal, and with me as always is my good friend, Quentin. Each week we dive into those various topics and bring you an inspiring person or message to navigate the world with a positive mindset in this new normal. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now, here we go. All right, welcome back to the show. We took a week off because you know what? Even contrarians need to step away from the news and just relax and be with the family. My name is Sal. Welcome back to the new normal. With me, as always, my good friend, Quentin. Say hi to everybody, Quentin. Hey, guys. Well, I don't know what we could possibly talk about, Quentin. I don't know that in the last. I don't know that in the last week there's been any newsworthy topics for us to to really cover on our current events commentary show. (laughs) Yeah, no. It's been very boring. I mean, that's why we took the week off was it was just slow news week. It was really slow. I mean, I mean, I I could have caught up on Tiger King. Apparently there was some news there, but is it is there some Tiger King news? So according to, to Facebook and everything else, Carol Baskin has won the property of uh Joe Tiger, Tiger Joe, whoever, whatever. I really don't know his name. I Joe just, Exotic. Joe Exotic. That shows exactly how much I've been keeping up with the show. Well, that's obviously the biggest story. We should just should just dive right into that. Totally. So Carol Baskin, that uh, crazy woman. I really, I have no clue anything about that show other than other than the two names. <laughs> but there, there yeah, are definitely some things that we could we could cover. I think the most recent like breaking headline from this afternoon that kind of transitions to some talking points um, that we'd like to cover today with you guys. And you know, thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us that week off and. We love seeing those numbers coming in as far as the downloads are concerned. So wherever you're coming from, leave us a comment on our Facebook page. Leave us a comment on iTunes or Spotify. Well, I don't think you can leave comments on Spotify, but definitely on iTunes. Leave us a review. We'd love to get your feedback. Um, so the first People headline- People had withdrawals. Exactly. They needed. it. I was getting like notifications and stuff and we weren't doing anything. <laughs> I was like, well, we're big. We really made it. People long for us. Well, I mean, your mom is a really nice person to comment. (laughs) (laughs) 
So right out of the gate, the WHO, the just absolute pinnacle of reliable information has just come out and said that asymptomatic spread of coronavirus is, quote, very rare. Did we just get ourselves into the biggest financial collapse, which we could also talk about the quick and swift recovery that we've just experienced, but did we just shut down pretty much the whole world, but talking locally, our states, our, our cities, all of that, did we just get ourselves into the biggest cluster of unemployment, economic ruin, recession was, was thrown out there a lot the, the last couple of weeks that we were officially in a recession uh, because of COVID-19. And now you have the WHO say that COVID-19 uh, is asymptomatic. The asymptomatic spread of COVID-19 is very rare. And that was the biggest thing that was touted is that for 14 days, you could be asymptomatic and it's spreading right. like wildfire. And that's what's going to overrun the hospitals. Yeah, so, man, I have a, I, I can play devil's advocate on this both ways because, like, that doesn't look good. That's not good. Um, so, I think that we were probably already headed for a recession. Like, we both have talked about this before. We were headed for a correction. We don't know if it was a recession, so... I think this definitely made it worse. Maybe that was the intention. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a whole lot of conspiracy theories floating around out there. So it's really sure. hard for me to say um, one way or another, was this a conspiracy? Was it not? So there's, there's not, I, I think that depending on which strain from what I gather, there's so many strains, but depending on which strain you get asymptomatic, uh, asymptomatic, carriers basically are common or they can be really uncommon uh so it's it's really weird so based on the one you get it could be a common thing it can be an uncommon thing relatively speaking i think the way it spreads the little that was known about it and obviously we talked about how this from a fourth or fifth generational warfare standpoint could have been made as a bioweapon and released intentionally to have this impact that's possible I think even if it was natural, people knew so little about it, and some of the cases were so severe and so random, and the way they afflicted people, like you know, mm -hmm. the story: a thirty-year-old healthy bodybuilder, you know, like lungs bleeding. So I think it looked really bad. I think even if now, so from what I've read in the articles, there's asymptomatic carriers, and then there's the asymptomatic incubation stage. So I would like some clarification if a person was going to become symptomatic and they were at a time asymptomatic before they were symptomatic. Is that person capable of spreading the virus or are they just referring to people who get asymptomatic cases? So here's the quote from I, I, the CNBC article, which we'll put in the show notes as well. So preliminary evidence from the earliest outbreaks indicated that the virus could spread from person to person contact, even if the carrier didn't have symptoms. But WHO officials now say that while asymptomatic spread can occur, it is not the main way it is being transmitted. Quote, 
from the data we have, it still seems to be be rare that asymptomatic persons actually transmit onward to a secondary individual. Dr. Maria Van Kirkhove, head of WHO's Emerging, Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis Unit, said at the news briefing from the United Nations Agency's Geneva headquarters, quote, it's very rare. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. That didn't really... That didn't really and, tell me basically what I'm looking for. This, and it this doesn't is also really give concerning. any information about strains. Like that's one thing that no. has not been talked about at all are, you know, the 34 plus different strains. Right. Yeah. So like, first off, we're defunding the who because there's just a bastion of reliability in, you know, uh, scientific integrity. Um, so they're very much in the pocket of China. So Playing the devil's advocate here, if this was a bioweapon, you know, is intentional, and really, if it's being said that the WHO is some arm of the Chinese Communist Party at this point, I mean, that's that's hyperbole, but that's basically insinuated. Then maybe this is a lie. I don't know. Then again, maybe they're telling the truth. No way to know. They're also not being specific, like you said, with the strains. Um, I find it hard to believe that you aren't transmitting or shedding some virus before you show symptoms because you do have a viral load. You are shedding it to what extent? I don't know. Uh, are you just not shedding enough like in the air for, do you have to be really in close contact with somebody to get enough particles in them to load them to the point where they're going to become sick? I don't, I don't know. I didn't, didn't really talk about it. I, I've looked into it the last few days and, I, I have no better information than that. So my my biggest concern is that it's mostly not asymptomatic. You you mostly have people who get sick. And I actually now know people who've had COVID. And it's like the worst thing they've ever had. Hmm. Um, so, you know, they're like way worse than the flu. Worst thing I've ever had easily. I, I've worked with some people when I was in law enforcement, I don't work with them anymore, obviously, but they came down with COVID, you know? So I actually do know people who've had it. Um, it's supposed to be pretty bad and these are pretty healthy guys. Um, they're fine. You know, they lived, uh, I think one person I knew at one time, I'm not going to say where I knew them from, uh, but they were in the hospital from it, hmm. uh, got out. So, um, it sounds nasty from what I've heard. Um, and there's a whole area I, I know of people who I have a friend who patrols this one area and the infection rates very high in this neighborhood and people are really sick and not doing well. So it's mostly not asymptomatic, even the mild case, cause they were told they have mild cases that relatively mild to wow. the illness. So, I mean, but, but I mean, you know, that sounds really bad. Um, they didn't really talk much about it that they spread the disease. Right. And for, for a few days, you, you don't feel that sick from what I understand. You feel like you have kind of a cold, feel like you're getting strep or have a cold or something. Um, you know, so that's probably still really bad. And here's, this is why I think that's really bad because those people spread the disease to somebody who's not going to become sick for another month. So contact tracing is just impossible because they're like, who were you in contact with almost a month ago? I don't even know where I was. I have no idea, you know? Um, 
So that's that's hard to track. Your phone can tell you. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I mean, we've had so much information and so much disinformation on this thing. You know, well, so much contradictory information, right? Wear masks, don't yeah. wear masks. Masks are symbolism. Masks will save your lives. It's symptomatic yeah. spread. It's asymptomatic spread. I mean, at this point, you're just in the middle of the road hoping you don't get hit by a car. Yeah, yeah. At this point, to be very honest with you, where I'm at with this virus, I don't even think about it. Um, I protect myself when I go in public. Um, I don't even know what to think or what to do. So I've just made up my own protocol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I wear gloves when I fuel my car. You know, you can call me whatever you want, but it's nice. I have a crap load of gloves because I was in law enforcement and I just have a ton of them, you know, that I purchased myself and never use. So that's probably a good practice regardless. I think that's one yeah, of the things that's come out of this that's been a positive change. Yeah, it's like actually the gas station handle pump is literally the nastiest thing you will touch in your life. Right. So it's it's absolutely disgusting. So I'm just like, I'm going to do this from now on. And people can just look at me like I'm crazy. I don't really care. I, I have health problems now. Just take so. a Clorox wipe with you from now on and just wipe down the, the handle or spray and then wear gloves. You'll be good. Yeah, I, I just – so I do that. Um, as far as the mask, I guess if I was to go in the store, I would wear a mask for other people. You know, like – People think that these masks protect you from getting the virus, and they don't. They don't protect you from getting the virus. They protect you, other people whom you might spread it to. Um, so ideally, if we all wear masks, then we're not going to be able to breathe the virus out. I will say that there's some cognitive dissonance with this whole thing, like with the whole mask or no mask thing. You know, a lot of people who complain about facial recognition software and privacy and like online security and the government spying, are like the same people who complain about wearing a mask. It's like, here's your free pass to avoid, you know, facial recognition software. Right. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't be wearing a mask. You're so concerned about the government spying on you. Wear one. Like, they can't do it now, you know? Uh, so. I still remember the most surreal moment, like a week into shutdowns, being next to a guy in the checkout line who was wearing a bandana, a hat, and sunglasses checking out next to a Texas state trooper. It was just the weirdest thing to be in a store with a, a police officer and a masked person checking out. And this it was just so weird. It was just the new normal, right? <laughs> I guess it shows you how like actually nonviolent, at least to, I mean, like the other parts of the country are total hell holes right now, but like Texas is safe. It's and, doing all right. Uh, you know, like it's safe. I mean, people are polite. I, I don't know. I haven't felt uncomfortable around people with masks. I think it's because we all know that you might get your ass capped. Mm. We all know. We all know that you're in Walmart and probably 30% of those people are caring. Yeah. And if you do something stupid, you might get capped. Exactly. So people are just staying alive. You know, they just stay calm and stay alive, you know. So speaking of Texas, I got another headline for you. Texas reports a second record, excuse me, Texas reports a record number of hospitalized coronavirus patients after state reopened, quote, early. So I don't, I don't know that we opened early. We opened based on a plan. So yeah. I, keep, I keep hearing these headlines kind of like the I told you so headlines of you opened too early. So I mean, even in well, this Well, I will say article, we actually did open early. We opened too early 
uh, I can, cause I can kind of verify this. So I'm not going to say who my wife works for. My wife works for the state. Okay. And I remember specifically having to watch a press conference the governor gave um, in regards to reopening the state. And the state wasn't even going to discuss reopening until June 1st. For whatever reason, that timeline became accelerated. Now, I do vividly remember this. I'm sure people can go and find this press conference where he said this stuff. We all know what happened with Dan Patrick, and that was very controversial. Um, and so I guess we did open earlier than we were in initially intended to. Um, it just, like, it never went away. Like, I don't know why people thought, oh, everything, you know, like, literally, I had this discussion with people who were close to me and my family. Everything's fine. They're opening up. It's all gone. It's like, well, we've never really stopped accelerating. We no. just kind of, we just kind of. We flatten the hit. curve. <laughs> yeah, we. We we like flattened the curve and then just we we took off again. Unfortunately, now now yeah. we are back in accelerate you know an exponential uh, uh, I guess you know arc hyperbola. I guess is what it would be. Yeah, I mean um, this is what the key points are saying that there are currently one thousand nine hundred and thirty five COVID nineteen patients in hospitals across the state, topping the previous hospitalization record of. 1,888 patients on May 5th, according to new data yeah. from the Texas Department of State Health Services. Texas was among the first states to relax its statewide stay-at-home order, allowing it to expire April 30th and, submit, and some businesses to resume operations May 1st. The coronavirus has infected more than 75,400 people in Texas, according to the John Hopkins, John Hopkins University data. So all of this is basically to say that we either opened up too early or opening up at all wouldn't have affected anything. So you, you've got both, again, that that back and forth, that misinformation yeah. or that just contradictory information. You, you start to look at the Sweden model, which I haven't seen a headline for Sweden in quite some time, which is interesting. But they never shut it's, down. It's still in the, the it's it's like one of the worst countries per capita in Europe. It's not a good model. One of my best friends is Danish and nobody wants to travel Sweden. Look, one of the reasons they want us to, to copy the Sweden model, and, and I really, the same people who want the Sweden model are kind of the same people who rag on Sweden for the migrant crisis and everything they do. They're sacrificing their people on the altar of migration. That's what they're doing. They don't want to shut down because they know they can't shut down no-go zones. This is what was explained to me by a Scandinavian. They can't shut these areas down. They know that. So they are doing some things to try to flatten the curve. Like most people in Sweden wear masks. So something that they're also not telling in these headlines is like actually most people in Sweden have PPE and they wear PPE, whereas we don't. So they could do a better job even while remaining open than we could if they have compulsory PPE. Um, but like the only reason they didn't shut down is because, you know, Sweden and it's, it's migration problem. You know, we all know what it is, hand grenades in Malmo, you know, like this is, this is their, that's their new normal. They're shooting for a society. I, I don't know what type of society they're really shooting for. It's really strange. Actually, that's a topic for another day, but that's why they didn't shut down. It's, it's migration it's letting in infinite amount of people from wherever come in for whatever reason, 
because they're not Swedes. I, I don't know, but you know, I, I wouldn't tout them as a model because they're, they're doing it all for the wrong reasons. If they were doing it for the right reasons, I'd be like, Oh, this is great. I, I know they're not, they've said as much, you know, so it's hard for me to get on the Sweden bandwagon. And, and even if we did want to get on that bandwagon and, and I supported it just from an economic perspective, not about all of their, you know, ulterior political motives, they have comp- pretty much compulsory from what I understand PPE. I, I, we don't have it. You know, I think we could reopen if we did that. I think, I think there's been studies that prove that you can really reduce the spread of COVID down to very little uh, if we had masks, if we had compulsory masks. I don't even think you need compulsory gloves. I think it's just the masks that's the problem. It's, it's still a problem. We have a shortage of masks. So a part of one of the reasons I think they have, have tried to stigmatize masks and make it seem rebellious not to wear one is because you can't get one. And so, you know, you can't get a good mask. You can't get an N95. And so it's cool not to have it because you don't need it because you're a rebel. But in, in reality, you can't get it because the government took that option from you and wanted to do business with people who weren't in your interest. Is this the, is this the second wave then that was touted from the very beginning that we're going to see the ebb and flows? We're going to see this up and down trend. It's going to come back and have a resurgence in the fall and in the winter. You know, is this, is this almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of the, I told you so. And then you have the other side of the coin is like, we always knew it was going to be a second wave. We always knew it was going to be, um, you know, this ebb and flow. We always knew. You and I definitely, you know. And, and it begs the question. This was the long game for us. It begs the question as far as not shutting down again. Are we simply just as as Americans, as st- independent states, are we going to allow ourselves to be shut down again in spite of the rising numbers? Do we do we say to ourselves we can't go back to February and March and April where we had millions of people laid off of work? We just had the highest amount of people. Uh, what was it? Unemployment went down to thirteen percent from analysts thinking it was going to go up to twenty and thirty percent, and it did the exact opposite. We have the S and P five hundred rising in in record amount of time. In fifty days, we've had the highest bull run in, in American history. And this is just after a pandemic. So is it in our best interest or is it cognitive dissonance to sit here and just say, you know what, if it comes back, we're just going to ride this out. We're not going to close back down after we, we just saw. So that's a tough question. Um, I think so to go back to the whole wave thing. So the, you know, this actually, if you look at it, this is, this is, you can just look at what the senators were saying in their little private hearings before they shafted the American people and sold off their stocks. This is as bad as the Spanish flu, right? Or some of them thought it was worse. And there's some numbers that suggest it could be worse. Here's what I've come to understand about the Spanish flu and looking back. So I've done a lot of research lately on it. So basically if, you know, once people knew what it was, the Spanish flu, they did just clinical diagnosis. They didn't have a way to test people's blood and see viruses and tell if you had, you know, the Spanish flu. So if you presented symptoms of the flu, they were just like Spanish flu, like immediately. So a lot of people got diagnosed in the first wave. It killed hundreds of people, hundreds. I'll say that again. It killed hundreds of people. (laughs) So we're at, we're we're in the first wave. And so we're at hundreds of thousands right now. So that's significantly different. And that's with 
you know, modern medical technology, if you look at the rate of infection hospitalizations and the type of treatment used to treat people, you could safely say that you could have removed 20% of the American population, you know, back then with this virus. It's pretty serious. Now, we obviously have a much better way of treating now that we know that chloroquine, that was a huge hit job against hydrochloroquine, obviously. Right. And they've even had to retract a lot of statements now that. Oh man, I think people are going to be very sued over that. (laughs) Uh, I think somebody's going to get their ass sued off. Um, So we have better treatments. You know, obviously we can make the fatality rate of this lower if we keep the spread down. We also have. It gets out of hand. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To help us. If if it gets. Yeah. Give us what. I don't know if it ever gives us good information. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we. Well, I mean, I say that jokingly, but at the same time, we do have a better rate of information. As as, we as do, bad yeah, as twenty four hour sure. news media is, we can at least disseminate from our fifty different sources and yeah. say, okay, here's the real story. Sure, that's like what we do. You know, we we have these discussions. So, I mean, yeah, I think we can treat it better. I, I think it still could be really fatal, and especially if we, uh, you know, have a rapid spike in cases. I think. I think Italy proved that Italy proved that it could be extremely fatal France and in the United Kingdom, you know, it, it's, it's taking a serious toll there. So even with that um, though, you have doctors in Italy saying that it is clinically. No right. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I want some more clarification on that. That would be great news. I, I don't know. I I've gotten very little information about that. Yeah. I mean, you throw out a headline out there that in, in the country that was the most headline grabbing numbers yeah. and and the population that was just you know dead bodies in the streets if if you were reading the right headlines now they're doctors well, they, did, they did in some places outside of hospitals i mean <laughs> right. and and, and so, you've got now doctors saying that it's clinically gone i mean how do you go yeah. from armageddon to sunshine and rainbows within a six month period. I mean, I guess well, they, they locked down Bergamo. They locked down Milan. I mean, they did a lot of things in Italy that we haven't been willing to do here. True. The question, you know, the question is, uh, and New Zealand was extremely, uh, extremely hard clamped down on the, on the situation. They're, they're totally over, you know, they are out, they're out on the other side of this thing and they're going to have concerts and, you know, unrestricted air travel within New Zealand. And I mean, you know, they're, they are on the other side of this. I don't know. You know, as far as second waves are concerned, I don't know that we've ever really been out of the first wave. I mean, we just kind of paused it. Now, I will say this, like, obviously, we're not a very healthy nation. We're not a very healthy nation politically. We have no homogeneity. No one gets along. It doesn't even matter if you're the same race. No one likes each other. I mean, seriously. And so you see a situation like we have in Minneapolis, well, sure, that that was a really bad situation. It was a terrible thing the police did to this guy, and that sparked it. But there was a lot of underlying issues. Oh, yeah. Well, we talked about a boiling off. point. We talked about what was going to be the flashpoint. Yeah, and it's not just – it's not – you know, there's some people out there, it's like, well, it's just black people riding. No, it's not. It's a lot of white people out there that are very mad. They're very mad. They've either been laid off, they're fired – or they're like people in my age group and they can't afford anything. You know, we have crappy paying jobs and you can barely afford a house. You can't really afford to have a family. Then you also, at the same time, see people just get 
welcomed into the country for no reason and handed right. grants and, and, and incentives to, you know, it's like, and you can't even get a very good job and there's no training or help for you. So there is a lot of very irritating things that are happening in the country. And it was just, it, it was just a tinderbox. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- that was something that set it off. I, I don't think it would have just, I think if George Floyd, it would have never happened, man, if you'd have kept the lockdown much longer, something it would have been would something else. Right. It could be something else later. I actually don't. I'd, look, people get hired back. There's a lot of laid off people in the service industry. They come back. The illness will increase again. They will basically be forced laid off because they're sick at the house. They're not going to be getting paid. We're going to be going through the cycle. Companies could be forced to lay off. You're seeing companies that have overwhelming COVID cases within the company. And they're having to shut down anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like the government has to know that whether they mitigate or not, the virus will shut down the economy. It's just whether they wanted to shut it down themselves and make the playing field even and initiate all of the aid that we pay for already, or whether they wanted us to flounder, claim insurance, break the banking system, and not be their problem, but still cause the exact same amount of problems. The problems are coming. Yeah, I think We're just we, not gonna we have get a temporary reprieve. I think we've definitely been given yeah. a, a reprieve from this, and with the stock market rallying to all-time highs yet again. I mean, my own that personal portfolio. That doesn't surprise me so much. Like, that's that's cool. And I'm not going to poo-poo that because I have investments. But most people don't. Right. And, and most people who are investing in the U.S. economy are actually foreigners. So this doesn't – that doesn't really better most Americans, to be honest with you. And one of the biggest reasons it's gone up is because they flooded the economy with free money. So, mm-hmm. like, of course it's going to well, and Jerome Powell was just printing off everything to buy up all the assets yeah. for this purpose yeah, it, to stimulate it, the economy. Exactly. The the Fed's the Fed purchased so many assets. It's just this is this may be this may not be a dead cat bounce, but it might be the dead Fed bounce. I mean, th- this this could be really bad. I mean, if they cannot manage this properly, this is all MMT, right? So if they don't manage the contraction of this money properly in the future, so the way the way they can contract the money, they don't necessarily have to tax you to contract it. They can just flood the country with more people. They just continue doing it, you know, until the carrying capacity of this country is threatened or we're so dependent on other people that we can't remain sovereign. So that's very scary. They also know if they do contract the money at some point, it's going to squeeze people into poverty who are into poverty, who are middle class, people who are in poverty, into deaths of despair. So we're going to lose a percentage of the population because of this. It's, it's a very bad thing. What just took place didn't have to happen. And, and that's the talking point all Americans should have at this point. The way we were treated, the way this was treated, didn't have to happen. And we, and we should question people as to why it did. For sure. And, and it raises another question for me, especially – being in Texas and the and the numbers being reported to to be even higher than they were a few weeks ago, then you couple that with stories of the inflating numbers with outright just fake COVID numbers, false positives. Yeah. It, it for me warrants the question: Are the rising numbers actually COVID, or did someone break a leg, yeah. go to the hospital, they tested them, and they said, "Oh yeah, you you had COVID because you had the antibodies." Like there's so many, there's so many questions wrapped up in that statement that the numbers are rising. Well, yeah, we have more tests and we've said this when, when the tests became a lot more available, especially even locally in my own town, more tests equals more people potentially testing positive. Okay. We were expecting that. Okay. Well, you open up the 
you open up the states, more people are going out, more testing is available. I mean, all these things are compounding, but they're not getting the other questions that are out there. So again, we've had so many false positives. We have so many people who- Yeah, the know, case in Tanzania where they tested a goat and a grape. Yeah. They're both, po- both positive. I mean- So, I mean, you have to look past these headlines and you have to read. And sometimes these headlines, these stories come from other stories that are more locally centric. And it's a commentary on that story. So you have to click into three or four times before you get to the actual meat of it, where there's some potential substance to to the story. But for me, it just raises that question. Are the numbers actually rising? And if they are rising, are they actually COVID cases? Or are they antibody testing? Are they just fake numbers? Like this, you, you, you start to get into that conspiracy thinking. But at the same time, the last six months have been very contradictory the numbers are rising but they're not real numbers we should be wearing masks but they're all symbolism think of how many of these these events that you and i have just like called like almost verbatim so it's like it's hard for me not to think well this is a conspiracy because i'm suffering from a little bit of confirmation bias at this point with some of this stuff um i don't know i mean i you the numbers are going to go up you know, they're going to go up whether they're faking them or not. I mean, right. they are going to go up. COVID is real. I mean, I do question the efficacy of the antibody test. I, I do question how many of those test kits were rushed and how many of them are actually effective, you know, the efficacy. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's it's really hard to say. I, I try to have faith that, you know, the medical professionals will be honest and will get an honest read of the situation. But um, I think what's important for the listeners to understand, and even for you and I to just continue to ask questions, like we're not, we're not claiming to have answers on this show. We're not claiming to literally don't have answers. (laughs) Like Exactly. We're we're like, just like we've said, we're in the middle of the road trying not to get hit, but you start to do the pattern recognition. You start to try to forecast and, and we might not have the answers, but we have questions. And I think some people may have the same questions. And together, we can collectively navigate this thing as best as we can. We've talked about preparedness. We had a great guest with Zach Bauer. He's our number one downloaded episode so far. It was awesome. And it was all about preparedness. And it doesn't have to take a crisis for you to get mentally prepared. It doesn't have to take a crisis for you to get financially prepared. You know, these are all things that I hope have put people into a realization that, oh, yeah, maybe I should be setting back a a percentage, you know, if it's not going to be 10%, a percentage of your income and saving it. And if you've got some play money, invest it, right? Like this whole time, I've had, you know, one, one financial analyst or one financial consultant or one financial guru say, pull out all your money, go to cash, go to cash, go to cash. And then you have the other side of the coin. Keep investing, keep investing. Well, split dollar the cost averaging, you'd have been foolish to pull out money. Earlier exactly. So, I mean, I split the difference and I didn't sell anything, but I kept some cash and then I just dripped into it, right? As the market went down, instead of catching a falling knife, I just kind of slowly reached for it and then the bottom hit and now we're going back up i have one investment that's 82 percent return on investment because i caught it right when it was 
near the bottom. I didn't hit the bottom. Nobody can truly hit the bottom, but you're just somewhere around there. Right. On the way up, now it's at 82% return on investment. I mean, that's huge for me. I plan on holding it for as long as I can until I see I don't need to hold it anymore. My investment strategy isn't value buying and, and selling, right? The whole buy, buy low, sell high. I buy and hold, whether it's up or down, I buy and hold. But if anything has taught me, this is having the intestinal fortitude financially in, in preparation, in just everyday life, being prepared and situationally aware of what's happening around you, right? Who isn't wearing masks and who is? Where should I go and what times should I go to these stores based on the frequency of how much people are shopping? I mean, these are all the questions that people should be asking themselves and not getting back into the old habits, right? So we brought up the having gloves or some sort of sanitary wipe when you go to the gas station. We probably should have been doing that for the last however many years gas pumps have been around. Yeah, and people making my food probably should have been wearing masks from the beginning. No, especially right. It's hard to spit on my stuff when your face is covered. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's not. But but seriously, there's some things that I've seen and I'm like, man, like why haven't we been doing this from the beginning? I don't know. Like somebody was complaining to me they we were they cook food for a living. They're like, I have to get my temperature taken every time I come to work. It's like, well, that was something that would be a good idea anyway. Mm-hmm. Because like if you have strep, I don't want you making my burger, dude. Right. You know, I I mean it's just so I will say this about the situation with the stock market. You know, I, I believe in dollar cost averaging. I'm not like, I don't Same. believe in telling people to take their money out of the stock market or whatever, but I will say some weird stuff is going on and we may actually be up against the wall of a legitimacy crisis. And we've talked about this, we talked about this on the show that there was some indicators with this whole COVID thing that showed that the United States might have a serious legitimacy crisis. I told you, and I'll just go ahead and tell, you know, I'll just go ahead and talk about this now. We had a very private conversation where I told you that there would be no National Guard or, or federal military response to COVID. Mm-hmm. And we had a long discussion about why that would be. And a lot of it uh, had to do with perceptions of the public, uh, readiness, preparation, continuation of government near peer threats. I, I could go into that. I'm just not going to. But ultimately, it pointed to a serious legitimacy crisis, remember? And and we talked about that seriously. Well, this George Floyd situation, uh, National Guard doing the Macarena, uh, you know, burning police stations down, um, demanding the disbanding of the police, yep. um, all the things that are happening with that. That is a legitimacy crisis. If people don't think that that is a slow burn on our descent, they are out of their mind because it is. And and it, it seems to be slowing down, you know, or getting better. But the concessions that are being made are, they're not tenable. These are, This is not a sustainable situation. Right. Like you disband the police, you know, you you allow large swaths. Yeah, how did they put, that, put the fire out? Oh, well, they just let it burn. They just let it burn itself out. You know, I've seen the drone footage of some of these cities where things were set on fire. It's like a war zone. And yeah, I don't care. You go to, you know, I was in, I was in law enforcement the last time these riots happened years ago. 
And it's one of the reasons I quit and got out. I was just like, you know, the war on cops and everything. And look, I get people's complaints with police. Okay. I really do. When I saw that video with George Floyd, I, I would have never done that. And I wouldn't condone anybody doing that, you know, but they're, they're, they, they, most police keep law and order. They, they hold the line, you know, and it, it prevents a lot of people from getting really messed up every day. And I was in Baltimore right around the time the Freddie Gray riots happened. And then I went back years later and it was still burned out. They never rebuilt these places. Right. It's just awful. It just looks like a war zone. Still same places I was at before on business. You know, I came back and they're still bombed out looking. Um, we are supported by Aerial Digital. Aerial Digital is a full service digital marketing agency that specializes in custom design websites for small to medium sized businesses. Whether you need a simple one page bootstrap website or you're ready to start selling your products online with an e-commerce website, Aerial Digital is equipped to help your business. Go to aerialdigitalmarketing.com slash new normal. That's A-R-I-E-L digitalmarketing.com slash new normal and save 20% on your custom website today. These states, especially like Minneapolis, was was begging for millions of dollars to rebuild for aid, federal aid, no less, to rebuild and get things back in order. And you're sitting there on your hand saying, well, we can't really do anything. Let the looters and the rioters do, do what it is that they need to do. And And here's a headline from Daily Wire that talks about it begins. Rioters burned down Minneapolis manufacturer. Now they're relocating, taking jobs with them. Well, go figure. The owner yeah. of a manufacturing company in Minneapolis that was burned to the ground during last week's violent riots has announced that he is relocating his company, taking dozens of jobs out of the city due to the failure of the city's democratic leaders to protect businesses. They don't care about my business, he says. The president and owner they of don't. seven. Seven Sigma told uh, Star Tribune, they didn't protect our people. We're all on our own. Go figure. I mean, we're going to have Mogadishu 2.0 lawlessness when, when we're talking about another headline that uh, Minneapolis uh, City Council is, is saying that we need to take the police and, and disband them or, or, you know, defund them. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they do this. Maybe they disband the police and they defund them and, and they were all proven wrong. That everyone just lives in a utopia. Everyone just is great. Civilians get together and then they police the streets and keep each other accountable. Maybe that no, just it'll look like Mexico. We, we've had this conversation. <laughs> we, we, we've had this conversation. We're having a legitimacy crisis. The government and the police have lost control, so we're reverting to a warlord society. You can track this type of behavior all the way back to Samaria. When empires fall, warlords replace policemen or the town militia or whatever, and you can see that in Mexico. Mexico is a failed state. If anybody wants to debate whether Mexico is a failed state with me or not, like I, I don't care. Like I'm not going to have this debate with you. It's a failed state. Right. It's run by criminals, and it, it, it's ultimately a warlord society. And these cartel bosses are warlords. Some of them are better than others. They're all criminals and they all do really bad things to maintain control because the society's degenerated to the point where education is not valued. The family's not valued. Everything, money over everything. 
and order has to be kept to move the cash crop, which is narcotics, right? So when people don't understand logic or reason, you have to go and resort to extreme violence. And that's what they've done. They maintain control of their areas that way. We don't want that here, but that is where it's going to head. And there's been political philosophers that have talked about this for the last 20 years, that you're going to see America enter into a warlord state and bankrupt in blue cities. are going to look for excuses to get rid of their civil services, and you're going to have warlords fill the gap. It won't look good. I mean, I don't see it as, I don't see it as positive. You're going to see like gangs basically patrol, maybe private police, and then the same people who want to disband the police complain about private prisons, complain about PMCs, and it's like, where did you think this was going to go? I mean, somebody's going to pay somebody to protect the area. You're going to have a bunch of yeah. security guards that do, you know, civilian, you know, citizens arrests. I don't know. You, but, you get this meme of of the of the two buttons being pressed, and it's either or scenario, right? Yeah. So it's only cops should be the ones with guns. We need to right. get rid of cops because they have guns. And you're like, just throw your hands up in the air, and what do you do? Like, yeah. There's got to be a better way. You're going to go back to might might makes right and, you know, your biggest, toughest, dumbest dude that is willing to do the the most extreme level of violence is going to take over. And then eventually the smarter guy who is willing to do extreme violence in a more intellectual way is going to take over. Then you're going to have a real problem. You're going to have something like El Chapo that runs your city. Well, and this goes back to our conversation that we've had with uh, an unaired interview maybe this would be the good time to to bring that in um but we had a three percenter on where we asked the question do the states disband themselves and now we have 50 individual united states or ununited states and and you've got these territorial governors where maybe texas oklahoma louisiana and arkansas are one union and then you've got california seattle and washington as their own little union and then you've got these regional governors and it it reminds me of the show revolution that was canceled where an emp was the catalyst of this whole societal downfall but ultimately what i got out of that was a new map being drawn where these individual governors and presidents in these in these regional areas took over and I can very well see that. And and when I, I don't say it lightly that I believe that Minneapolis has a potential to be Mogadishu, right? We will have our own little Mog in the it, United States. It'll be States. a John Carpenter utopia at the very least if they continue on their current trajectory. What do you mean by that? Like escape from New York, escape from yeah. LA, like Snake <laughs> Pliskin, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, you know... I don't know what they feel like is going to happen. It's going to, I literally had a conversation earlier tonight with a business colleague who lives right now down the road from the riots in Minnesota. It's still going on. They're still rioting. They're not covering it. It's very dangerous. She doesn't want to be out in public. She hasn't left her home in weeks. Very That's what's disturbing that they're not airing it now. Like it's they're not. It's, it's no longer the topic du jour. We need to find something else to talk about. And like this is serious. We need to be seeing what's happening. We need to see the desperation. Well, it was economic collapse. Trump is the devil. COVID is bad. Trump mishandled it. You know, and like there's some things to be said for that. Okay, 
there's some problems. I've talked about the problems, but it was let's beat up on Trump. The economy sucks until CNN's headquarters started getting firebombed. Then it became a problem. And then the writers were bad. And then we won't cover it because it's like, it's like the philosophy with mass shooters, right? If you, if you don't give them the publicity, they just go away. Well, these really haven't gone away. They, they really haven't from what I understand. I've, I've called up places that had riots and have friends that live there. And apparently it's still very bad. What concerns me is there's a lot of subversive activity. Now I can talk about an incident that I knew of that happened in Houston. That's very alarming. Uh, that it, the subversive activity that's occurring that seems to be a precursor for some sort of really large event, maybe maybe a, a terrorist attack, maybe a potential um, insurrection. Right? There's been all this talk about declaring the insurrection or invoking the insurrection act. I don't think Trump can actually do that. I actually think Tim Pool had a pretty good take on why he can't do that. Um, if you want to go look at that video, it's uh, Tim Pool talks about Insurrection Act and fourth and fifth generation warfare. I feel like we were ahead of Tim Pool, bro. I feel like he basically I took know. a lot of our talking points. Like we were a month ahead of Tim Pool. So um, I, I just, you know, it, I don't think they're going anywhere. And I actually don't think as much as, you know, like a lot of the things they're showing, like the foot washing and the forgiveness exercises or whatever. They they are showing these things because they want you to feel like everything's better and everyone's healed. It's getting it better. isn't. It isn't. No one's healed. If anything, people are more freaked out. There's probably worse racial worse racial division now than there was before the riots. Honestly, I mean, if you go to like conservative treehouse and Breitbart, or you go to um, Medium or Slate, or you know, you go look at the comment section on that. Vox. It's calling for the Vox. It's calling for blood on both sides. It's saying some really nasty stuff. There's some really bad racial stuff being said on both those comment sections. It's really strange. No one's editing them. No one's cleaning up or moderating those comments. It leads me to believe that there are so many, they cannot remove them. And that disturbs me. And so to me, that that is a real portent of doom. I've always done a pretty good job of predicting outcomes in society when I look at comment sections that aren't yet edited and moderated. It gives me a really good feel. You can go from one side of the spectrum to the other, and you can get a really good feel from those extremes as to what's probably actually taking place behind the scenes. So the stock market has a really interesting way, and this has been scientifically and mathematically uh, looked at. I just, I just watched the video this afternoon about it. And depending on where the S&P 500 is three months before the election will determine whether the incumbent party stays in power. So if the S&P 500 VOO, if you're, if you're looking for uh, an ETF for it, if, if the S&P 500 is green three months, you know, within that window is green, the incumbent party will likely stay in power. If it is red, the challenging and opposing party will win. So I say that, to your point, I can't remember what principle that is, but I, I do know what you're talking about. To your point, you can judge. I don't know the word that I'm looking for. You, you can rightfully see patterns in the emotional uh, tone that is happening by just reading the comment section. Now, you could obviously go down the black hole of comment section and just see the vitriol that happens. 
but when it's happening at the rate that you're talking about, when it's happening in the frequency that you're talking about, and it's not being checked, it's not being moderated. Oh man, it's it's bad. And the stuff that's being said on Twitter on both sides will make your skin crawl. That, that scares me. Point that that Twitter is shutting down conversation. That yeah. they've taken the publisher stance and they don't care. That they will. Well, I mean, at this you. point, at this point, like, look, I'm against censorship. I don't like what they're doing. What is the option? Because if people realize how much other people hate them and how far down this rabbit hole of self-destruction we are, what do they do? What's their stance? How do they trust their neighbor? Like we just witnessed Yeah, we just witnessed the death of trust. It's not coming back in our lifetime, probably. I I, I mean, you can't trust the government, you can't trust your neighbor. I mean, this is this is ugly. You can't trust the WHO, you can't trust science, you can't trust trust anything. You've got you and you've got your tribe. That's it, man. I mean, honestly. That's, that's where you're at. That's very bad. I mean, I'm sorry to get kind of animated about this, but what scares me is I saw some really serious conversations being had on Twitter about some very bad things. What's happening on Telegraph? What's happening on 4chan? What's happening on Reddit and in, in like some deep sub threads? Mm. What, you know, what is, what is going on on Gab or BitChute where these things aren't being monitored on alt tech or on the dark web where actual terrorist elements will hang out and communicate? Yep. We don't know. But I know that the 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 uh, you know the web the visible web is bad right now and it's it's very ugly. Um, you know you don't just have people get beat down for arbitrary reasons in a country when it's healthy. You know because you were at the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever. That's you know we saw some really bad videos over the last week that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. It was like literally watching an LA riot play out countrywide. And people can say, oh, it was because of these people, or that people. Man, I'll tell you what, the the Twitter videos I saw were mostly of, you know, X group. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into that. They really were the news footage I was seeing, there was a lot of extremely violent, another type of group, anarchist out there that were literally committing terror acts. Right. So it was a couple of groups playing off of one another. It wasn't just a this or that thing. It was, you know, anarchy. And it was basically like a, a Jacobin, you know, uh, French Revolution style uprising. It was really dangerous. It was this is where else. I keep going back to the point that why, why has there not been a terrorist attack? Like, I don't know. Because where, we talked about that. Where, where are where's al-qaeda right now why haven't we heard about them in quite some time like there's no chatter on even fox news there's no chatter that i i have found in in some of the conspiracy forms it's all about the riots it's all about the looters it's all about you know the conversation we're being told we're being steered in in the direction we want the conversation to happen where my mind goes as a contrarian is to say whoa whoa, whoa, hold on what aren't we talking about we haven't talked about a terrorist attack in, in quite some time like we haven't talked about middle right. east relations we haven't talked about russia in in a little while like what's happening there we that haven't talked about china how serious the internal situation is we can't even hope to police the world we can't even police ourselves we do i, I don't care where you stand on this issue right now of the pro-riot anti-riot whatever i don't you know it doesn't matter we look like a joke to the world mm-hmm I mean, yeah. they, they think we're a joke. We are, we are a paper tiger at this point. If you don't think we are, I don't care. That's your perspective. We really are. We do have a serious nuclear arsenal. 
But maybe one of the reasons you haven't seen troops clean up the street like you did in L.A. is because we have internal strife in the military. Mm-hmm. And I've heard stories about problems that we've been having in the Navy and within the military. Um, some people refusing to obey orders. I can't confirm that. I don't know. If somebody would like to comment on that, somebody would like to confirm or tell me I'm an idiot, I'm all ears. But I've heard things through the grapevine that don't sound good. And if I've heard them, then I promise you the Chinese and the Russians have heard them. And there's, you know, we said from the beginning, there's a reason these dudes just went into Cheyenne Mountain and locked the door and said goodbye. They did that in several bunker sites. Those are the bunker sites we know about in this country. Like, don't be foolish enough to think that, you know, we know all about them, all, all of them. We, we don't, you know. And it's, that disturbs me. The, the military shut the door and said, this is continuation of government. We have our fingers on the button. Almost as if to say, we're about to have problems here. If you try to interfere in our problems, you, there will be no more you. Right. You know, that's what that tells me strategically. So I'm, I'm reminded of a Bible verse that talks about when they're, when they're screaming or when they're crying for peace and safety and security, that's when calamity falls. So I feel like we're being set up with the stock market being really well. Like I, I want to have a positive outlook. I want to succeed. I want to see my life 50 years down the road and have a nice retirement. Yeah. My kids are well set up. Me too, man. But I'm like, okay, things are getting a little too good, too quick on all fronts. Like what's, where's the, where's the shoe going to fall? Where's the bottom going to fall out on this whole thing? Yeah. Well, you know, we were always told there was going to be a V shaped recovery and you and I, we, we have a passion for finance and, and we, you know, uh, we, we're invested in the stock market and we have it. We have a, an interest in it having a v-shaped recovery but even you and i and our past guests we said that's not happening you know like we will have a recovery it's going to be a little more tapered a little more Mm -hmm. drawn out it just it just can't be a v-shaped recovery and then we gave reasons as to why that would be we're like the country's self-immolating people are dying troops are being called out police departments are being set on fire literal city governments are falling apart yes and V-shaped recovery, that's that's freaking interesting. Mm-hmm. I would love to know how that occurred. I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I I hope I'm wrong. I hope everything goes back to normal, and I hope this isn't the death of trust. I, I certainly, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt, and I, I'm going to try to treat my neighbors with the same amount of deference that they are willing to treat me. But at the same time, I have a suspicious mind and, uh, and an inquiring right. one. And that's that's odd. preparedness, though, right? That if if you get anything from this, it's the old saying of prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. Like I hope I'm wrong about everything. And I'm hedging that way too. Like, yeah, I, actually I, I, hope what, I hope when people listen to this, they're not like, Oh, these two are just two doom and gloomers, you know, getting off on fear porn. It's like, no, like literally not. We see the patterns and we're going to prepare for the worst. But at the same time, I'm not going to hold all my cash and hoard all my cash. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to invest. I'm going to put things to the future. We're going to keep building our chicken coops. We're going to keep, you know, expanding our goat operation. We're going to keep planting. I mean, we had two five-gallon buckets of potatoes that we just pulled out of the garden this week. And it's like- I got to pull mine this week. We're going to keep on doing that because we prepare for the worst and we hope for the best. 
but we don't shut off. Like if you're paralyzed by fear right. and you don't move, that's what's oh, going to kill the you. Worst. We've yeah, talked about this fight, worst. flight, or freeze. Freeze is the most dangerous thing because at least if you yeah. run, you live to fight another day. And if you fight, you either win or lose. But if you freeze, you, that's a guaranteed death. Yeah. So if you get anything from this, don't think that we're sitting here trying to predict the future and wringing no. our hands, hoping that we're things just go bad. Discussing it. We want we want to see a positive turn. We're ha- I'm happy that I have an 80% ROI on one of my positions and that as of today, my, my portfolio has quote unquote recovered. I'm back to zero basically as far as what I've lost. And I hope that it continues to go up because I do have Absolutely. plans. I do have a future that I want to see live a doubt. But I look at these patterns I look at what's happening in this world and I'm like, I have to take a step back and say, okay, if every, again, it's the whole, when everybody's running to the stock market, that's maybe the time to say, I might want to take some of my profits and put it somewhere else. Well, who's actually running? Cause it's not like individual investors. No, it's institutional anyways. Right. Yeah. So big corporations, big. And they've gotten an, a cash injection. I mean, they've had the biggest cash injection, the biggest transfer of wealth in the history of mankind. Yeah, talk about looting. Yeah. No, seriously, it is. It was looting. It was it was corporate looting at its worst. And, I mean, they looted us. And, you know, they put their money, you know, people say, well, they put their money on smart investment. Maybe, maybe they put their money where they were told. I, I can't think that those, that type of stimulus doesn't come with terms you know you take a loan you have terms yeah you know they take a loan they have terms too so i mean you know that's troubling and and look like people are like oh well what do i do i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that i get called from people all the time now asking about preparations bug out bags all these different things and they're spending all this money to do this stuff and i'm like man look first off did i spend some money on some things that I needed or that I wanted to help my position if this got ugly. I would be lying if I if I said I did not. I did. Did I allow plan B, which that is a plan B, like everything's messed up. This is plan B. I go to plan B and you know that's has all my supplies and everything. Did I allow my plan B to jeopardize plan A? No. Nope. Not at all. That is foolish. You could be dead wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I can I have I have children. I cannot bank on being wrong or I cannot hope isn't a strategy. No. Nope. You know? I said that so many times this That's week. When I've tactic. heard so many people saying, I hope and pray that things get I mean, you can pray, yeah, but hoping can. and wishing is not an investment strategy. It's not hope's a preparation not a strategy. No, <laughs> hope's not a tactic. That isn't preparation. That's a positive mental attitude, and that could be very critical for you making it through troubling times. It's not a tactic. I would be stupid to rely on hope. We've done that before. What would be so Um, wrong with having extra bullets, extra beans, extra band-aids? Nothing. Nothing. You're not hurt by that. (laughs) No, you can eat, you can eat your, your beans and you will use your, you know, medical equipment or your first aid kits at some point. And like, if you got good food, it's like beans and rice can sit out like in a hot garage for 20 years. Mm. I mean, seriously, like they don't ever go bad. Uh, I, I saw some show where they ate like 70 year old rice out of a box in a pantry or something. It's so funny. We're still going it through the rice. Oil. We're still going through the rice that we bought when this the thing first started popping off. Like 
I don't remember if I said it on the show or not, but when this first started happening, I'm not prone at all to panic attacks. I'm not prone to anxiety. You know, I definitely get anxious about things in it and I've got stressors in my life. But I remember vividly being in a grocery store with my wife and seeing store shelves empty. It's not the first time I've seen empty shelves, right? We live in hurricane uh, trajectory. So it's not the first time I've seen empty shelves. But you know the shelves are coming back after a hurricane. Exactly. And that's what freaked me out when I was sitting in, in, in a grocery store and I saw empty shelves and I felt myself getting in, in an anxiety or some sort of a panic attack. And it was the first time I had ever experienced that. And, and I had to take a couple of deep breaths. I felt water in my eyes. My wife looked at me. She said, what's wrong? I was like, I really just, I really just want to leave right now. Like, I don't want to be right here right now seeing these shelves empty. And we grabbed a couple bags of uh, a couple more bags of rice, which we're still eating on now. Um, and we're going to have plenty of it uh, come, you know, the next two or three months. But where did all that go? Like now it's just, Let's let's go back to normal. Every everything's fine. You know, don't mind the riots in the street. Don't mind the police being uh, told that they're going to be defunded and, and disarmed or whatever that they're proposing. I haven't seen it truly get better yet. We're just being placated no. and yeah. swept under the rug and just going about it's your business. Frog be in the boiling little, water. Yeah, be good little corporate citizens and go back to spending. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that other than to say, no, it's a good prepare point. for the worst and hope for the best. I mean, we haven't seen it get any better. And I mean, frankly, you know, let me tell you something. If COVID is real and we are going to have a massive second wave and this is worse than the Spanish flu and all this stuff we've been told and the worst is yet to come, man, it's going to be really ugly in the fall. Now mm. it's going to be real, real bad. Because we know the police won't be coming. We know the military won't be coming. And we know that the National Guard will show up to do the Macarena with us. You know? Or worse. Look, look. or, or it gets even worse, right? So whoever's in office at that point drops the hammer. Well, it'll be President Trump, obviously. But they'll drop the hammer and say, look, we let off the gas just a little bit and we opened up the states, we loosened things back up, and look where it got us. Now we're in a second wave. Things have gotten exponentially worse. Then they drop the hammer. And then you'll really see either. Ugliness. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's, it's look, this one of those black and white right situations. Now. Yeah, you, you've got right-wingers pissed. They're mad. They will not tolerate martial law. Like, there is a ton of memes on that. On the other side, you have left-wingers. Pissed. Hate the police. Will not tolerate martial law. Both sides, on the extremes of those sides, could be prone to killing these people. Mm -hmm. Seriously. If the hammer is dropped. At this point, both sides are primed potentially to kill their own fellow Americans. And we're headed into really uncertain territory. And I hope to God COVID's done and it just fades away. Right. Asymptomatic. And nobody, I really do. Because now at this point, we have way too many problems as a country to tackle with another pandemic potentially on uh, another wave of a pandemic potentially on the way. Like you and I said that from the beginning, a grid attack 
you know, it, it doesn't have to be super complicated a grid no. attack. It could be very bomb. simple on a, a cost- dirty, a well coordinated dirty bomb. Well, that would be metros. that would be that would be the worst. That's like the worst case scenario, and that's very complicated. I'm not going to say I won't even. I refuse to even say what could happen. Very simple uh, systemic attacks on the grid on the show. I, I just won't even talk about right. it. How you could do that? I'm not going to give anybody any ideas. But um, you know, it, it could be very simple, very cheap, and very uncomplicated. And a few bad actors can end the country. You know, it doesn't take much. They could completely end the country, and we are primed to kill each other right now. And that's not hyperbole. That's for real. You know, that's very frightening. We've seen it over the last two weeks, I mean, on the news. And part of me, this is going to sound bad, so forgive me. Part of me looks at these rioters and these looters and, and protesters, and I'm putting them into three separate classifications for this reason. Part of me looks at the, the whole group of them and I'm saying, where's your leadership? Because me coming from the military looks at them and I'm like, dude, if they did decide to drop the hammer, y'all would be gone. You're uncoordinated. Maybe. You don't know how to flank. You don't know how to do anything. Like you're allowing, you watch, there's really good police training videos. I think you could probably attest to this on riot control. Like they know how to box you in so that they can just pull you out of the Catalan. crowd and yeah. yeah, they know how to cattle you and you allow it to happen as protesters and rioters and whatever you allow it to happen. Like there's no coordination. I'm just sitting here sitting back like you, you just allow, well, look, there it is. You, you just got cattle guarded. There you go. They keep pushing you. They don't know how to hold the line. And then part of no, me is happy yeah. about that. You know, good. Let's squash this. Let's squash these riots. The other side of me is like, you guys really want to pop this off? Like, get me in there. I'll show you what to do. <laughs> like you're doing it all wrong. You really want to have an effect. You really want to go chaos. Let's do this. And, and it's like, I, I hate watching these type of things and, and having those kind of thoughts. Cause you're like, how far are you going to, how far do you want it to escalate? You're like, maybe they don't, maybe they don't. Maybe the writers just wanted to prove a point. I will say a lot of cops got killed. And from the word on the street, from some of those killings, there were snipers. Mm. So, I know you the know, one in Las I, Vegas was point blank in the back of that. Yeah, head. yeah. So I don't know if that's true. I'll tell you that the word on the street you and I talked about that I had from people sources. about what what George Floyd, what I was told, you know, by some sources about George Floyd, that came true. Yeah. So, um, and I I had that that information like the day of, right? like the day after. Well, I mean, we put like it that. on our Facebook page that, you know, the the law enforcement rumor mill was suggesting that he had ingested narcotics. Lo and behold, yeah. what almost two, three weeks later, the autopsy comes out, methamphetamines, a whole bunch of other and stuff. And, and that is not to say, so hear me clearly, that is not to say he got what he deserved. That no, should not absolutely have happened not. to him. I mean, if if I could clap yeah. and and not affect the microphone, I'd be clapping while I said that he did not deserve to die. That cop no. was in the wrong. No, and like people are like he had a rap sheet a mile long, and he put a gun to a pregnant lady's belly once and robbed her, and so like yeah, people ha- people do bad things, and like he served time for that. Like people people can. This is how the justice system works. He got convicted of these crimes in the past. He served time for it. Those are in his past. I don't know what type of guy he was today, but I can tell you that, you know, 
yeah, counterfeit money is kind of serious. It's not let me stick my knee in the back of your neck while you can't breathe serious. For I mean, 10 minutes. That, yeah, that's a very that's a very serious thing. And like when people have asked me, I've gotten hit up so many times. Like, would you have done this? Would you su- no, dude, I don't support this. I do not support what happened to this guy. That was so effed up. And I would have never done it. I would have never done that. And if somebody, you know, like apparently they had been fighting. Some people say they hadn't been fighting him before. I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's four of you. You have your knee in the back of his neck. He says you can't breathe. You know, like get him up on his knees and maybe just restrain him a bit so this guy can breathe. Now, I will say this. And this doesn't justify. This does not justify what they did. They should be punished for what they did. Okay. But to make it very clear. He was probably going to have respiratory distress on his knees. Now, whether he would have died or not, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think he he would not have, but it's very possible that he would have. He could have, you know, you take, you, you have two drugs that potentially aggravate each other or uh, contraindicate. I'm looking for the word. I can't think of it. doesn't matter, but you, you take two, two different narcotics and they can have some really adverse side effects together. Mm-hmm. And one of them is vasoclaps. You know, that's what you get with meth. And then you you take something that is a respiratory depressant or a depressant, a severe depressant like fentanyl. Man, you're going to have respiratory distress. If the guy already had hypertension and heart disease, he did have hypertension. Uh, you're looking at a potentially seriously problematic situation. And he could have died no matter what. And that's possible. So now you're looking at a situation, and this is from a legal standpoint. And look, I am not taking the side of people who freaking put their neck in the back of some guy's knee who can't breathe. That's awful. Okay, their, their knee in the back of the neck. The, yeah, yeah, the knee in the back of the neck. I'm sorry, I do not, I do not support that. I would never have done that if I was on scene and I was a cop with them. I would have made sure they didn't do that because it, it's wrong. But. I don't know what type of precedent a murder conviction on that if he didn't actually cause him because I looked at the autopsy. There's no actual indication of petechia or ligature marks or any sort of strangulation. Uh, a blood choke doesn't take 10 minutes. Okay, right. We all know that. Anybody who's been put in a rear naked choke and been choked out knows that it doesn't take 10 minutes Not to get all. a blood choke. Um, Seconds. And yeah, yeah. And so he didn't get blood choked, okay? And the, the, the autopsy doesn't indicate that. It doesn't even seem like he was asphyxiated as well. They keep using the word asphyxiated. He wasn't strangulated. Right. Okay? This is strangulation. Okay. They say he died of asphyxiation, possibly, and the position he was in could have potentially uh, added to that. He wasn't strangled. And so... The knee to the neck, I don't know how much of an effect it really did have, but the position he was in, you were trained as an officer never to put somebody in the hog tie position that's potentially in respiratory distress. Now, that's in this state. I don't know about that state. I don't know if they have precedent for that. It's hard to say. A lot of people want to criticize all cops because cops in some other state act some way. Well, these are really individual state republics. You can look at the United States. I know it doesn't seem like it. But you can look at the United States as somewhat kind of like the EU, and states have different laws. And I don't know if that's okay or not in Minnesota. It's hard for me to say. I would hope it isn't. But if these guys get convicted for murder, do we really want a legal precedent set where someone could have ingested something or caused themselves to 
go into a spiral of death and you make contact with them in a potentially ugly way. And now you're a murderer, even though you didn't really contribute to cause of death. That's going to be a really, really tough conversation. When, when, and if, when, and if they are not convicted of the murder charges. Yeah, it is. And, and like, look who this could affect the most is young black men. Like, honestly, let's have that conversation. Trent tried to have that conversation. I mean, he did very well on our podcast. And, you know, who could be put in this position most often are young minority men who are in situations that could contribute to a death like this and who might make contact with somebody who was already on their way out. And now they're convicted of something they really didn't do. Hmm. Um, now, these guys, what they did, that's a totally different, but my, my concern is the legal precedent right. long-term. Well, what, what does that do to police officers now that are re- responding to a scene like that? It's like, like hey, well, yeah, so I know for a fact. Times, and now B, if this person is on something, if I put my hands on them and something happens to them, now I'm going to jail and I'm going to be convicted of murder. Like it's really setting I, up I know a of bad stories. situation. Yes, horrible. Because I know of stories of people who did bath salts and had less than lethals, like a taser. The cop doesn't know what they're on. They just know that they ate someone's face off. Seriously, I've heard these stories from people who I respect. And, and I, I, I know these have happened. So they just ate someone's face off. They just stabbed someone. They're a deadly threat. They don't have a weapon. You can't really just shoot them or something. It's wrong. You don't know what type of narcotics they're on. And they get tased or sprayed or some other less than lethal. And they have excited delirium and they die. And that's it. And so is the precedent. Well, that looked ugly. You know, he should have tried to talk to this guy on bath salts or he should have just tried to restrain him. Well, you know, what if they're on PCP and bath salts? Then you're fighting like a freaking Jedi, you know, like Yoda, you know. It could be it could be a really tiny dude that is, uh, you know, seemingly innocuous and just throws you to the curb and, and beats you to death on PCB. I mean, it's 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 really dangerous stuff. And, and you have to use some sort of less than lethal that, you know, let's face it, tasers and spray, those two in particular, I keep bringing those up because they affect your breathing, right? One mm-hmm. causes, causes muscle spasms and the other one is an irritant. You get hit with that and it looks ugly and bad and you didn't do the right things in the public's eye and now you're a murderer. Yeah. You know, that's where we're headed and that's really ugly. And everyone's like, well, the cops shouldn't have guns. The cops shouldn't have guns and we should do this with the police. And do we really want a police system like the UK, you know, where it's super dangerous to live there now and these gangs run around with machetes and guns and the cops can't do anything to protect you and they don't have gendarmes there. And, and they don't really go out and patrol with weapons. And it's a, real, it's a real problem. The rest of Europe thinks that that's an insane way to police. Every other police force in Europe has guns for patrol cops. And then they have gendarmes, you know, our carbonieri. You know, they have an even more militarized police force that are used in very special occasions. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what this, the answer is there. I don't think the guy can get... Look, as bad as it looks, and I don't really have any feelings for this guy. I, I think that that was a real POS move. Yeah. Um, and and it was bad. I, I have nothing positive to say about that act. Um, and I condemn it. Like, seriously, I do. I'm not just saying this because I'm going to say but, okay? Like, I don't like that whatsoever for any reason. George Floyd, 
if that contributed to his death, he should still be alive today. Like that should not have occurred. At the same time, we don't know if it did really. The position may have. Um, and I can't on principle and out of precedent support a murder conviction if they didn't actually cause death. Right. And that's a problem. And I know why, and I know that that's going to be a problem for people. And I understand that. And that's going to be, again, it's like the OJ Simpson trial, right? Like when that verdict does come down, what well, It's going it's, it's to be happens? Rodney King. Now, a lot of people though a lot of people think Rodney King got beat and people went nuts. That it actually didn't happen. What occurred before that whole incident was that a young black girl was killed at a Korean store. And this is why the whole rooftop Korean meme thing came about and why there was such a an assault on Koreatown, right? It was that incident. And it was the acquittal of the Rodney King cops that caused the riots. And it's very possible that these guys get acquitted. It's also very possible that the gentlemen in Georgia get acquitted. You know? And you have those two acquittals. And, and, and what it bothers me probably is what if they are actually innocent and we just convicted them by TV? Yeah. Well, I mean, the mob has already made up their minds. Yeah, F-12. What Everybody's like, Oh, I don't know what F12 means. It means F the police. What it means, F a jury. There's 12 people on a jury. You know, that means F justice, F the law, F the courts. And, and there's a bunch of Twitter videos of people saying the same thing at the riot. You know, they don't care about rule of law. They want mob justice. If we allow that, honestly, if if people sat down and thought about, well, you know, let's just have let them have mob justice. Man, that is going to decimate the black community. Mm. I couldn't think of something worse to allow to happen to that community. Like, honestly, what do you think is going to happen if mob justice becomes a legal precedent in this country and the minority of people commit a disproportionate, I'm going to be honest, they commit a disproportionate amount of crime. And people say, oh, it's because the police, the police look at them, the war on drugs, whatever. People aren't going to want freaking heroin in their neighborhoods. People aren't going to want burglaries. People aren't going to want thefts. Like people aren't going to want this behavior. And you remove the police. Now you have mob justice. It's going to decimate the black community. And there's a lot of good young black men who are going to get caught up in mob justice. And you're going to turn back the clock in this country to a time I don't know that we've ever seen. We've never seen. I think like somebody brought up, I think Candace Owens brought up, there's like a total of 3,000 people that for, of any people that were lynched in this country at any time in its whole history, you know. And it sounds like a really high number, and she breaks down why it isn't high. Well, it's unacceptable anyway, right? Right. That will that will pale in comparison to what comes if you actually get mob justice. It will be atrocious. Well, Minneapolis will be a case study for that, right? So let's let's assume they move forward with disarming at the minimum or completely disbanding the police force there, and that trickles out like that. That is a case study for what the mob will do well we don't have police and we don't have citizens that police us we don't you know whatever social worker shows up to answer the 911 call for a home burglary it's just going to be mob justice this guy broke into my house he shouldn't have stolen my stuff let's hang him up right now and we'll prove a point and and what if he didn't even do it what if he wasn't even there what if the mob just picks up a kid passing by because they don't like the way they look I mean, seriously. Yeah. 
I, I mean, like you can that definitely goes go nowhere down some good. dark roads with that with that line of thinking. Oh, it's horrible, man. Like that goes nowhere good. I mean, and and it's going to most negatively impact the community that is demanding the disbanding of the police department. It really is. Um, it's I, that I think, instant gratification, you know. Yeah, we did something. We affected change, but then the five year, ten year, fifteen year, twenty year outcome of that. They're just not thinking about. We've said this on the show. People are two weeks out. That's it. Their mind can't. Most people can't go two days out, but two weeks out has been the pattern. But you start to break down these situations. You're like, ooh, no police. Well, then who's going to enact justice? The mob. Do you really trust the mob? (laughs) Look at what the mob is doing right now. There's a pattern with. There's a sociological pattern where when you're the loudest voice, you believe you're the largest voice. Mm. And you're not. Or you usually the, the majority. Followers. Look, when you're in a position of strength, like a majority, right? You have a majority of support and, and um, opinion is on your side in the majority. You, you don't have to go around and demand things. It'll just happen anyway. Right. You don't have to get loud. You don't have to make a scene. Uh, there's, a, there's a very good scene in The Godfather that the loudest voice in the room is the weakest. You know, I don't, I'm not trying to say anybody's weak. Or they're peacocking. Certainly from a position of, of numbers. Yeah, it is. Certainly from a position of numbers, you know, the rioters are a minority. They're a minority within their own community, honestly. Mm-hmm. And you're you're not in a position to want mob rule. You really as as much as you you think that you have the majority of the people on your side, and everybody wants the same thing that you want, and you're getting your way. And there's more of you because you that's the only voice that's the only voice you're hearing. You're in this echo chamber. You have confirmation bias. Man, somebody is feeding you a pack of lies and, and, and giving you a lot of false bravado and making you feel good about your position. Because in reality, what you're asking for is very ugly. It's a very ugly situation that it does nothing for you. Nothing good can come of that. 100% agree. I think the next couple of days, the next week will be an interesting case study in, in, pattern recognition and just seeing where things unfold as as the case starts to unfurl as these riots either escalate or de-escalate i mean it's one way or another at this point they don't how do you consistently get a hundred thousand people to show up ten thousand people to show up five thousand people to show up to any of these protests weekend day in day out weekend wake out people people do have to go back to work People do have lives. Maybe not. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, about this. I mean, this is They're what bored. happens when you have 20 million people unemployed. Yeah. I mean, at some point, they also do just stop counting people who are no longer looking for a job. So this whole, we added this many jobs or we've lost this many unemployed. Uh I'm still yeah, there's people who just that. are not actively looking for a job. So they're just, they're right. unemployed, but they're not actively looking. So they're not counted in that number. I don't know. 
I, I know people that are going to just ride this, uh, this benefit, this unemployment benefit until it's over. I mean, I know plenty of people like that. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it is going to happen. Why They have no incentive to go back to their job. Mm-hmm. They're making more now on unemployment than they were before. They're, they're not going to go back until it's over. When yeah, they I, mean, go I have back a friend now they, who's, who's collecting unemployment now, who's now using that as a time to, for introspection and, figuring out what his next position is going to be and building something out of that. Like, I don't fault him for that. No. He's, no, he's trying even. to build something in the meantime, and he's not going to sit on his hands and just collect, but he is going to collect and use that as a means to propel himself to the next step. Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't like that. No. And I mean, even I have been, you know, like it's been very slow. Business has been slow. I haven't been, hurting and it's been really hard for me to stay disciplined and focused on the tasks that I need to get done to take the next step in business or to continue to grow it's been it's been very hard to motivate motivate myself to do that so you should uh, I mean, you should get Kevin Hart's new book on on audible it's an audible original exclusive love that so guy. He, I, I literally listened to the whole thing today it's it's an audiobook only so you have to get on audible um, six hours. It's six hours, and I I couldn't stop listening to it. It's it's Kevin Hart, so I mean it was funny, but it was motivational and impactful in how he delivered it. Like it, it mixed in some huge truths with some really big laughs. And dude, that guy has great messages. He has great messages huge. at his at his stand up routine. Mm-hmm. Um, like in his personal life, he, he's just, he's like, I don't know. I don't know the guy personally, but for the, what he presents yeah. social media and, and, and his videos that he takes in his own personal lives is very well put together. Yeah. I think you, I you think know. you would really get a kick out of it. This is not an endorsed audible promotion or sponsored message. Like this is just Sal recommending an audiobook that he, he listened to today. That was impactful. It was really, really well done. He he's so hilarious. He's real dude. Like, I mean, he, he really is like, there's some stuff, there's some stuff that he said in the last couple of years that has gotten him in a lot of trouble because he just is a real guy and he just tells you what he thinks. So there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, definitely enjoy it. I hope you'll check it out. I think that's it for this week. Um, we'd love to get your feedback. Leave us a review on spot, excuse me, on iTunes. If you get a chance, go like us on Facebook, the new normal. You can find us at newnormalpod.com you can subscribe on itunes spotify google wherever you listen to your favorite podcast that is where we are so until then stay safe and welcome to the new normal